Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Mommy Wall Muslim, a podcast designed with the Muslim American parent in mind, addressing how to raise Muslim American kids born into a post 9 11 world. We will cover topics ranging from potty training to politics, and no topic is off limits. Along with our expert guests, we'll discuss what's new in the Muslim American diaspora or just what's new at our own kitchen tables. Join us, Zeba Hassan and Uzma Jaffrey, who have a combined eight kids and 25 years of parenting experience, as well as just enough crazy between them while they pioneer this journey we call Mommy, Mommy Wall Muslim. Muslim. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mommy While Muslim Podcast with your co-hosts, Osma Jaffrey and Zeba Hassan. This is Osma. Hey, everyone. Assalamualaikum, everybody. This is Zeba. How, how is everybody today? Today we have with us, I'm super excited to have with us, the author of Ramadan Around the World, Nada Hassan. She's a wife, a mother, an artist. Um, Ramadan Around the World is her first um, children's book. And she's here to talk to us today about uh, being an author, being a mom in Ramadan, and how um, you can do all of it. Um, Nada, welcome to the show today. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. Thank you guys for having me so much. Nada is a total trooper. She's got two sick kids besides everything else on her plate today, and she's still joining us. So thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I hope. I mean, you'll hear kids in the background for sure, so everyone listening, um, just expect to hear that. It's a real podcast. Yes. Yeah. We can't edit children out of our lives. It just doesn't happen. We're moms. So what kind of inspired the story? I know you kind of have excerpts in the back of the book um, telling us that your children inspired it, but why was it Ramadan around the world? Because I think most people kind of focus on Ramadan in my house, um, but you did the entire world. Where did that inspiration come from for you? So um, for me, I really like to focus with my kids on exposing them to diverse backgrounds and, you know, cultures and all that, because I really, I think that builds a lot when it comes to their character. Um, So I specifically went on Amazon actually looking for the concept of Ramadan around the world. I know like when it comes to all these other faith holidays, there's always this um, idea of seeing how other people around the world celebrate. So I said, I wonder if something exists like that. Um, So I went on Amazon and I couldn't find anything. And then I went on Google and it turned out that a book like that, that did not exist at all. Um, So being, you know, the, (laughs) I'm, I'm very creative with with everything around me. And I was like, um, you know, I like challenges. So I was like, why can't I just do this? So um, that's really how it started. That's incredible. So it's just, you saw a need and you decided who better to fill it than myself. Yeah, it was, you know, can I do this? I, I don't know what had gotten into me, but um, I, you know, I started, subhanAllah, the, the intention was I want to get a book out there that really shows um, the oneness of our ummah. Um, and and from there, you know, I just started taking advice, you know, alhamdulillah, one, one door opened another until the book came out and um, our, the actual, the launch good campaign that we used to raise uh, pre-orders um, it actually mm. sold out. So alhamdulillah, it was, it was a great success. So how did you um, actually do the research? Did you talk to different types of Muslims from different parts of the world? Did you reach out to them? Did you meet them at your local mosque? How did you start that research process? It was a combination of all of that. So for a great deal of the countries, so um, I wanted first to include countries. The first step was what countries do I want to include? And definitely I wanted to cover all the continents in the world. But at the same time, I didn't want to just focus on the countries with the with the most um, amount of Muslims I definitely wanted a variety 
Um, so I started off by posting a simple Facebook question um, of, of people celebrating Ramadan around the world. And I have people tag their friends, tag their friends. Um, and I would reach out to those specific people. So if there was a family that lived in Brazil, a Muslim family, I would reach out to them. And I wanted to make sure that they were also native. So they didn't just move there. I wanted to make sure that they've been there for years. So like in Mexico, there's the Mayan um, ancestors that go back um, to, uh, you know, uh, back in time. So I wanted to make sure that the Muslims that I interview from there are from from that group of people. So they really give us a glimpse into how they celebrate Ramadan for years and years. So my question to you is, in doing the research, did you find like a thread that was common in all the cultures? Or is everything just so different depending on what type where in the world you're from? Um, there's definitely the, the cultural aspect of it that was different, the traditions and all that. I mean, definitely all the, 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 um, the religious part of Ramadan, um, you know, all the, the such as, you know, praying and, and going to Tarawih and being generous, all that unified our Ummah. And that's why this book was, you know, the main goal was to show the oneness of our Ummah because... And being so different in how we celebrate, when it came down to the core of Ramadan, we were still all the same. Um, so that was what unified all the research, um, was just when it came down to it, it was all Ramadan, um, with the variations of, of uh, how we celebrate, the family traditions, the foods, the, the table spreads, um, and it's what made each culture so beautiful. What I love is that it's not just... Um the seven continents that you span in specific countries that you talk about, but the different abilities. And that to me came as a surprise where you had differently abled families um, well, we celebrating don't see Ramadan. That. We don't see that much in Muslim books um, Not and children's yeah. books. And I, okay. and all of, so all of the different abilities that were included, um, I, we, we know families with those specific abilities. Um, and I would reach out to those families and ask them, what is the best way to word this for children to understand it? Because I did it, I wanted to make sure that the, the verbiage was um, was appropriate. And, and alhamdulillah, it worked because um, some of those moms, so there was the mom um, who I reached out to for, there was a few moms who I reached out to to ask about the best way to speak about autism. Um, and she, um, when she received the book, she said that um, her her other kids, they, they saw that, you know, the, the fact that one of the kids had autism and they got very excited and they said, you know, this is like our brother and we've never seen anything like it before. Um, so it really made me think that um, whatever help they gave me, that it was very beneficial, alhamdulillah, and that it communicated the idea in a respectful manner. Nothing about us without us, right? I really love how you went to the source and got that. That's really, really important. And I think it's new for um, Muslim children's literature. I've never read that anywhere about hearing impaired um, families. A lot of kids don't know what these words mean, um, whether it's hearing impaired or autism or diabetes. Um, they, they think um, their world is very limited to their own bubble, so it's important that we expand and that we go beyond their bubble of information. Um, and so even when I explained it to my kids, five and four-year-olds, um, what it means, they didn't fully comprehend it, but at least they're aware of the term in case uh, you know they have anyone in their class or they come across someone who, who has any of those abilities, that they can be yeah. respectful of it without pointing fingers or you know any of those things that kids tend to do. I don't think there's any way to channel kids' questions to make them a little less jarring because they're still going to, whatever pops into their head, say it, but at least they're going to be able to 
say, hey, that person um, has hearing impairment like that other person in my book, yes. and this is how I can communicate with them. And it's it's normal, you know, it becomes um, diversified, but at the same time inclusive, which I think is what you were aiming for. And for them to understand that there are people that look different, that speak different, um, that that was all important. Nitha, it says that your, your background is in design thinking and marketing. How, first of all, can you explain that? And second of all, how did you use that approach in writing this book? Um, yes. So my background, um, uh, so I, uh, my background is yes, design thinking and marketing. Um, so marketing everything from graphic design to, uh, digital marketing, all that. That's what I used to do before. Um, I kind of decided to take a step back and be at home with the kids and design thinking. I continued with design thinking. What design thinking is, is that, um, creative problem solving. So I'll do that, you know, throughout my life, whether it's at home or in my career, whenever I have a problem that I'm facing, I try to (coughs) sit down and just create, draft out as bunch of ideas as possible. How can I combat this um, problem that I have with creative solutions? Um, And it helps me constantly step out of um, my bubble and kind of just have time to get my creative juices flowing. That sounds like you would make an awesome Pinterest mom. Is that true? Are you an awesome Pinterest mom? I wish I was. Okay, good. <laughs> I wish I was, but I'm one of those moms that sees a cake on Pinterest and then it absolutely fails. Like it's uh... oh, okay. okay. I feel really validated right now. Thank you. <laughs> There's that meme that says, "I wish I was a Pinterest mom, but I'm really an Amazon Prime mom." That pretty much sums up my parenting. That's me to Hand a up. T. <laughs> Like all these DIY projects, I'm like, okay, so how much time do I have? How much energy? You know, how can I prioritize what's more important right now? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, tell us about your mom life, Nada. So we have a little circus at home. Um, I have I have four kids, mashallah. So it's, mashallah. we always have a lot going on. They are five, four, um, almost a two-year-old, and then we have a two-month-old. She's in the trenches, like in yes. the trenches. Yeah, they're they're right now at the moment because I'm giving myself six months to kind of you know just get in the groove of things. But with the newborn, there's constant, there's currently no rhythm at home. Um, but no. it's exciting. Every day is just winging it. Um, you know, trying to keep them alive, trying to keep them fed, and <laughs> and trying to keep them entertained um, beyond the TV, of course. And then exactly. it's just we're every day. It's just however it goes it goes so um if it makes if you makes you feel any better my oldest is going to be 16 and my youngest is six and we i have four as well i'm in the same boat as you it doesn't get any better oh my god thank you it doesn't get anybody from that perspective like every day is like a challenge and you don't know what's gonna happen and you just have to kind of go with it it's always a circus it it's is, always it a is. circus, but it's your circus, and that's all that matters. It, it very, it's very true, and it's all about the little mom hacks. Um, so I was just uh, speaking with one of my mentor coaches the other day, and it was like, what can you do to make your life easier? And it's, it goes back to design thinking, is you have this problem, we have morning routine problems, we have bedtime routine problems, which is very common with you know in any household with kids, but how can you combat that? How can you set up little hacks in your life, um, mom hacks, to just make it easier? Um, and that's kind of where I like to challenge myself is what can I do? What can, how can I prioritize and, and time manage um, to make the most out of my time? Because when I go out a day where it's, I feel like I wasted time, whether it's just being so tired that you're just scrolling through your phone or I feel like the kids weren't um, 
stimulated in any way, um, it, it just, it makes me feel really guilty. And um, I'm, I'm happier at the end of the day when I know I made the most out of my day and their day. So what is your number one hack that you've discovered? Uh, n- I have not yet. <laughs> I have not yet. Okay, you're still, I, I said the baby's only two months old. I'm working on, <laughs> work I'm working on, their, um, on their breakfast routine right now. Um, so it's uh, we're, we're working on that to getting them a bit more independent. And overall, in anything that they do, um, I want them to just uh, start relying more on themselves rather than, you know, mama, open this for me, open that. Um, I want them to mm-hmm. grow a, a bit a sense of independence, um, which is what we do at home through the, like the Montessori Reggio system and all that is just teaching them how to do things on their own. I mean, my life hack when I had three under three, Nada, was to teach the three year old how to yes. make frozen waffles. <laughs> Saved my life. Now I know that the baby is brand new, Nada, but like your other kids weren't so old they were still babies when you were in the writing process and publishing process with this book can you tell us like what what that process looked like from um, idea to publishing and how it fit into your schedule as a busy mom of young young babies so I had they were three so I had three when I started writing the book and um, it was just the nighttime and it still is um, you know the second I, I wake up it's go 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 until bedtime at night and once they do go to bed I have an hour and a half maybe two hours if I'm not tired to just sit down um, and and maybe jot down a new idea or uh, put together some orders or whether it was during writing the book it was that's that's when I got to work was at night so it was whenever you could get 15 20 30 minutes it really mm-hmm. teaches you having having kids really teaches you that if you don't manage your time well, um, you, you're you, you won't have any time to do anything for yourself. That that's really important. I like what you said at the end there. Time for yourself. So regardless of what it what it is that you're doing, whether it's writing a children's book for hundreds of thousands of children all over the planet, or if it's you know whatever floats. Your, if you happen to be a Pinterest mom and want to get your craft done, find time to do it, but fill your cup somehow. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's so important is that for moms, we get sucked into our our kids' life, which is normal and fine and fun, um, you know, and, and we're all they have. And, and that's what we should be doing is, is taking these years to really, um, you know, teach them all that we know. Um, but at the same time, there you should have, as a mom, you should have a little getaway. So whether that's, you know, watching a halaqa online, um, whether that's getting creative, doing some sort of artwork at the end of the day, whatever it is, whatever is your escape, I think that's absolutely essential in keeping us sane. Um, and because that creativity reflects on us and, and, it, and it bounces off of our kids as well. Um, so when we when we get when our minds are simulated, we're able to give back more to our kids. Um, going back to your process, um, so the book was published last year. Are you telling me that this idea, the writing, and the publishing all happened in the span of a year? Because that's just blowing my mind. I thought this was like really long and drawn out. It's crazy, Subhanallah. Sometimes I think about it and like, Ya Allah, like how did this happen? Like my background is not writing. Um, it, it is creativity, so I, I was, you know, I was still able um, to see a design in my head when it came to the book. Um, but alhamdulillah, from the the start of writing to the research to having Minha, the editor, go over and review, and then Azra to take it from there, and just all her beautiful illustrations, um, that it was a year. Definitely learned so much. Yeah, with. Um 
publishing houses, did you find any resistance to what you wanted to do or were they just like soaking it up? Like, yeah, absolutely. We know there's a market for this. We want to put it out there. There's definitely a market. And now there are publishers that are focusing on on um, Muslim children's literature. But mm-hmm. um, the process to um, so I I reached out to various authors um, already in the industry to get their input um, and opinion on what route I should go and what's the best route. But the the idea that I got from reaching out to them is that the the to get published by an official publishing company, it can take time. Um, you first right. have to find an agent. And so it could take up to five years from when you jot down your manuscript for it to get approved um, and for you to get a contract with a publishing uh, company. So my book is actually self-published. Ah. Oh, wow. So what does that mean for us lay people? Like, what does it mean to self-publish? So when you have a publisher, they take your book, they take what you, as an author, um, they hire an, an illustrator for you, they do your marketing, they distribute your book, they take care of all the online um, inventory stuff, whether it's Amazon, uh, they distribute it to places like Barnes & Nobles, more mainstream stores. As a self-publisher, you do everything from, you know, from start to finish on your own. So you find your illustrator. Basically, you're on your own when it comes to marketing, when it comes to whatever it is. Um, it's all on you. Yeah, that's what's blowing my mind. It's like, how did you do that with kids? <laughs> like, marketing with children is hard. <laughs> I don't know how I do it, but it's just, I don't do it. I just wing things. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> what can we can we expect like a sequel to Ramadan around the world? Because obviously you touched on several countries and several different abilities, but there's a lot more out there. Is there a plan to to grow Ramadan around the world? Just given the reception that it's it's gotten. So Ramadan around the world, um, I don't think there a lot of people are like oh you should do Eid around the world or. Um, something along those lines. But I think it was so incredible because it was a new idea that really did not exist anywhere. Um, And so I I don't think it'll be around the world, but what I'm trying to do right now is turn Ramadan around the world into an experience. So beyond the book. So now we have several institutions around the country um, and internationally as well. Um, They are setting up events with the theme of Ramadan around the world. Um, so it's it's where they have tables set up or booths or whatever it is, um, and kids get to tour Ramadan around the world. So from one table to the next, they get to experience what is Ramadan like in Brazil, what is Ramadan like in Egypt, and they have people behind those tables that speak to them, and they do a craft or an activity. So now you have a book that's not just a book and it's tucked away, but it's turned into an experience for the children to really um to understand. So once you put something in hands-on, that makes the world's difference for a child. Are you doing a lot of like story times, readings, or any performances of the book? So I am, um, alhamdulillah, last year was definitely a lot more because I didn't have a newborn. But this year, um, I've had to turn down a few um, just because it's it's tough to travel with a baby right now. Um, so I'm hoping that by next year, inshallah, um, when the kids are a bit older, then I can start doing more um, tours around the country. For now, um, I'm just he- helping these institutions setting up um, their Ramadan around the world events. Are these institutions mostly like masajid that are trying to do something fun for Ramadan? Yes. So they are nonprofits, masajid. Um, I have actually some girls in Canada that are setting up a really cool, um, it's called, um, uh, it's a pajama party. It's with the Ramadan theme as well. Um, so it's, it just varies all, 
all mostly, mostly, of course, you know, mamas that are trying to bring this Ramadan experience to their kids. Do you have any fun activities that you do with your kids currently to prep for Ramadan and during Ramadan? We do. Um, there are a few good deed cards, um, uh, just 30 day Ramadan booklets and whatnot. Um, so I have that. But um, it's just during Ramadan, as, as much as I tell myself every year, you know, I want to do this. I want to keep the engaged, the kids engaged during Ramadan. Sometimes it's not as easy, um, you know, said than done. So I'm hoping this year I can do a bit more with them. And I'm starting to have their um, Ramadan countdown calendar. We've hung up a few decorations. And then it's going to be on me to try to set up these activities, inshallah. So... You know, now that we have your book and we've we've learned a little bit about how different Muslim families on the globe do Ramadan, how can we as moms diversify um, what's happening in our own homes, like at our kitchen table with our kids? Like what can we bring to the, our children to make them realize that, hey, you have these brothers and sisters all across the globe? I just, I find that the younger ones especially don't, can't really wrap their brains around that. They can't, but at the same time, we can start the conversation. Um, like I said, each child will will take it in differently. Each child will have their under, their own understanding of, of the concept. But um, it's letting them know that these people, um, you know, whatever, whoever that you see that might have a disability of some sort or who looks different than you. So I had my child once, you know, point to someone um, and ask me about their skin color, and I said, you know, Mama, they're 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 Muslim, they're um, you know they they're your friends and all that. So that to them is is just a different concept, and it's important that we expose our kids to it. Um, so whether bringing them dolls of of different uh, shades, skin colors, and whatnot, it starts in the little things like that around the house. When I was talking to somebody about this, they were like, "Oh, we'll just bring in food from different cultures." to your iftar table or to your dinner table and have that conversation. But I kind of wanted to think outside of food and um, kind of develop that empathy for our fellow man and um, explain that to them. But I like this idea of bringing diversified dolls to your children, um, male or female. I, that was something that was really new to me. A Moroccan friend of mine used to do that. Um, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Because she had girls, I had boys, so I didn't understand. I was like, oh, wait, I can I can absolutely do that right now for my sons. Um, so that's good advice. You have to approach it in an active way. You can't just be passive about, oh, here are other people that look different than us. We're all Muslims. You have to show them. You have to welcome people in your home, um, you know, people of all different cultures and races. And we tend to limit ourselves to our own little uh, bubble. Even at the masjid, you'll find the Daisy click, you'll find the Arab click, um, and we mm-hmm. need to step outside of that. So we, as you know, the next generation, we need to start pulling people into our groups, into our our um, bubbles, and inviting them into our homes. Even though you're self-published, I found it really easy to find your book. If somebody were looking for it, where would you recommend they they go? Because it's in bookstores now too, right? And I'm working hard. If anyone's listening to this, and we are trying to get the book into mainstream. I'm honored, honestly, to support to support um, for all the small businesses, the Muslim small businesses that have supported the book. Those are the pioneers, the vendor pioneers who have supported the book and um, were for, among the first to carry it around the world. Um, but we're also trying to take it to mainstream stores like Barnes and Noble and um, just to get people of other faith um, exposed to the book. Um, a lot of public libraries around the country are stuck stocking up on it, and they're finding the book through Amazon. 
Um, but also there's the website www.ramadanaroundtheworld.com um, and those are the two places. I do have a list of stockists around the world, so if you are uh, based in any international country outside of the U.S., just let me know where you are and I can refer you to the stockist there. That list will be uploaded to the website soon. And one of the things we can probably do to get the book into mainstream is when you're at Barnes & Noble getting your free monthly drink or you're taking the kids into story time, you can just walk on over to somebody with the name tag on and say, hey, can do you have the book Ramadan Around the World? And they can order it for you. And if enough people do that, that would be one way for the stores to start sniffing out hey there's a need for this and we need to order more copies to be sold on our shelves is that correct yes it comes down to us um, the community because um, so for example our library last year we had a Ramadan event it was the first event ever held in our city um, about Ramadan and we had over 375 people show up we had to turn people away at the door for the story time and it and they didn't mind having it at all. They were extremely welcoming. Um, you know, whatever tools, resources, craft materials you need, just let us know. They were so nice about it. They just needed someone to approach it. What the librarian told me is that, um, you know, I, I thought about it. I would. She said, we have a few books that I would lay out. But I was so scared to throwing something that would be um, offensive or to include the materials that would be inappropriate for the holiday. Um, so it really takes us, the community, to step out and say uh, we, we would like to hold events. You know, Barnes & Noble would openly include these books if there's a need for it. It's not that they don't want to include it. They just don't know it exists. Yeah, it's a simple supply and demand thing, right? Which yeah. is a lot. A lot of mainstream stores now, you know, are carrying Ramadan and night decorations because they realize the need for it. Yeah, I mean, Party City has them now. So they've, they've understood that, hey, we stand to make money off of people who celebrate Ramadan. At our local toy store, we have a whole display about Ramadan and Eid, and they have books there. And it was because of that, because there are people in the community that were just like, do you have anything? And they saw a need, and they say they sell out within the first week. I have to check to make see if your book is on there, because if, if not, I'll definitely tell them to to add that to the mix. For sure. And the book was written not just to target the Muslim community. Um, you know, that's why there's a glossary. That's why there are bolded words in there because um, it was written for both Muslim and other faith groups as well uh, to gain a better understanding of Ramadan. And I think it's just important because um, a lot of people don't know that Muslims come from all over the world. Like they think Islam is a, not just a religion, but a place you go or come from. And the fact that we can show that you know, I mean, Mayans are Muslims. That's incredible. I, it was not something that I knew. So um, I think that, that that kind of information, that geographical information is useful for everybody. Um, and uh, our Girl Scouts recently were asking us, you know, like, hey, you guys participate in everything for us. We would love to participate in a holiday with you guys. But that puts the onus on us as Muslim moms you know, go to your Girl Scout troop, do like an intro to Ramadan kind of craft or whatever project or story time with a simple book, a wonderful book like Ramadan Around the World would be awesome. Um, or go to your public library, your taxes are funding that anyway, and just offer, put yourself outside of your comfort zone and just offer to lead a story time with the craft. And I mean, the librarians would be more than happy to not have to do it one day, right? So I think that that's, that's all really, really good and easy things that we can do. I was just curious, um, you, I'm assuming you grew up in the States. Did you, do you have anything that you've carried from your childhood to your current children during your Ramadan? Definitely everything that was passed down in our culture. So, um, you know, 
the the lighting, the decoration, whatever it is, the songs, the um, anything that we really did as children during Ramadan. I remember all the little things. And we didn't have all the cool resources and tools that we had today, but we yes. still had the small lights and it was it was so much fun. Um, and those are the one of the things that I remember when, you know, when I remember Ramadan is, is all the festivities that my mom and dad, um, you know, tried to make of Ramadan. Well, I'm really thankful that with two sick kids and your busy schedule, you took time out to let us talk to you about your wonderful book today. Thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to read this again this year with my kids. And we would love to have you back, like if you're doing something fun and exciting, to have you back again on the show to talk about it. Inshallah, for sure. There is, we are working on a, a book right now. Um, oh, wonderful. And Inshallah, it should be out by, there's a book that will be released end of 2019 and then another one 2020, Inshallah. Thanks for offering yourself up. We will be sharing all of your information so that you can be up late at night nursing the baby and checking your emails. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Osman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Mm-hmm.